Uh, the band is called Enigma. They play around southeast Nebraska, and they are a fun band to catch. They're the official music of Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. And my buddy over here, Jim Shorney, is a official photographer of sorts for this band. Yeah, of sorts. You know, I like this song. It has big words in it that you don't usually hear in rock and roll music. Yeah, I, th- I just think it's appropriate. It's, it's a great yeah. theme for the show. Great song. Um, so how are all my relations? We've got a gentleman that will be on today. That, that's, that's his website. That's so. a good question, yeah. How are you and your family doing? Uh, pretty good. No drama. I'm going to see you Thursday for Thanksgiving dinner. Yes, you will. As well as a, a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. I'm just there for the food. Well, I'm going to be there for the fellowship and the food, and we're going to wish uh, all the folks listening a, a happy Thanksgiving. Whether you go out or have folks in, I hope it's a, a, a wonderful, uh, great memory again. And with that said, let's go to our first guest. This is Charlene with Pet Talk, and we're going to talk about dogs and cats for adoption from the Capital Humane Society. If I punched all the buttons right, she should be right there. Good morning. <laughs> and happy Petsgiving. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you came in right on cue there. I'm sure glad you did, too. Hey, so uh, what's going on at the Capital Humane Society? We're having a good day so far. We're looking forward to having a lot of visitors who are considering uh, adopting a dog or cat or ferret or guinea pig because we've got great animals available for adoption. Um, We do have a special event coming up um, on December 8th, and that's our annual holiday run. Um, And you can register and learn more by going to our website at CapitalHumaneSociety.org. I understand that uh, for that run, they're going to tie uh, pieces of steak and sort of like a steak kebab around the waist of the runners <laughs> and let them get a head start and then turn the dogs loose. <laughs> that would be fun. I'd go to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw a Facebook meme uh, a while back of uh, a small town that had a cross-country team at the high school, and they thought, what a great idea they would go out to the uh, local Humane Society and get a bunch of the dogs that are staying out there and take them out on leashes and go for runs. I thought that was pretty cool. We are very fortunate, yeah, that we have such dedicated volunteers. They're coming in all the time, seven days a week, uh, three times a day, to make sure that our animals, our dogs, are getting the proper exercise and training and care that they really need. Awesome. Yep, the socialization. Hey, if you folks would like to volunteer also, um, you can contact the Capital Humane Society, 402-441, and uh, what's the rest of it? Is it 4483. 4483, okay. Okay, with that being said, um, do you want to start with Cats for Adoption today? We will. That sounds good. And we'll start with little Ace. (laughs) And Ace is a four-month-old neutered male Siamese, so he is a flame point Siamese. He's very young and playful, wants to have fun, just a really nice cat. So if you love Siamese, you'll probably love Ace. He looks soft and cuddly, too. Mm Mm-hmm, yes. And he is staring intently at whatever the photographer is holding in their hand. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, that's a great start. Ace is our first cat for adoption, and Ace is followed by? Chewy. And Chewy is adorable. He has one little crinkly ear, so it makes him extra cute. 
She's three years old, an orange tabby, a domestic short hair, will be an adorable friend for the right family. Yeah, it looks like he's got a look on his face. It's kind of like, uh, what you saying? What's uh-huh. <laughs> and you, did get, you do get the complete cat, right? Yes, he will come all the way out and say hello to the right family. <laughs> oh, very good. Half a cat. <laughs> We're going to make you do the other half in a separate adoption. No. <laughs> Okay, Chewy is a great-looking cat. He joins Ace, and they have a friend whose name is? Lucy, and she's two years old, a domestic short hair with soft, smoky gray fur and a little white on her chest, pretty green eyes, ready to find a wonderful family today. Lucy, let me explain. <laughs> Jim, stop me before I sing again. Yeah, I t- I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> Yep, great song by the Beatles that are going through yep. my mind again. Uh, Ace, Chewy, and Lucy, uh, three great cats. You can see their pictures at capitalhumanesociety.org. Better yet, here's Shirley to tell you about how you can see them live and in person. Please visit us at our Pylock Pet Adoption Center. We will be open today and tomorrow from 11 to 530. Okay, it's time for Dogs for Adoption, and who do you have for us? We are going to start with little Darla, and Darla is Darling. She's a little Chihuahua mix, five years old, very shy, but actually for this photo shoot, she was just very wiggly, so she was wiggling all over the place and didn't want to have to slow down to pose for a picture. Um, She did come to the Humane Society as a very scared stray Um, But now she totally trusts us and has warmed up and is just adorable. Um, She is looking for a calm household where she can feel nice and safe. Okay, Darla looking for a great home. She's a cute little dog uh, with those big soulful eyes. And her friend or buddy is? We'll go with Bruce who has been waiting a while for a home. He's a very fun and intelligent boxer mix, about a year old. He really is a a lovely companion. He does not care for other dogs or cats, though, so he needs to be your one and only furry friend, but he will be a very fine furry friend, so he's ready to meet you today. What a great name for a dog, Bruce. Yes. Bruce the dog. (laughs) Hey, Bruce, come here. Bruce! I am Bruce of the mountains. <laughs> Darla, Bruce, and? Next up is Missy. Oh. And she's a little Shih Tzu, a seven-year-old fade female, really sweet. Um, another dog, that, uh, another dog just like Darla, who came in very, very shy and nervous. But now she has uh, learned that she can trust us. She likes to snuggle up, likes people who are very kind to her. So she is looking for a home with people who will be patient and not rush over to her. Um, and then she will be relaxed and at ease and having a great little life. What a cutie. Look at her just chilling in her dog bed there. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. These pictures are so great, Jim. Uh, yep. Charlene, if you look down in the lower left-hand corner, we've got two dogs in the frame, a Snickers and Tyke. Uh-huh. And, I mean, what a great photo op saying, okay, you guys, I want you both simultaneously to tilt your head to the left. Hey, there's a Christmas card photo right there. <laughs> And I have to give all that credit to our amazing volunteer photographers. These great shots are done by her, and she is just so talented and so kind to share her Mm -hmm. skills with us. Awesome. 
Okay, we've got uh, other great dogs besides Darla, Bruce, and Missy. You heard me mention Snickers and Tyke. Uh, take a look at the Dogs for Adoption at CapitalHumaneSociety.org. And if you've got time this weekend, let's go out and take a look at them. Here's Shirley again with hours open. Please visit us at our Pylock Pet Adoption Center. We'll be open today and tomorrow from 11 to 530. So we uh, give thanks for our relationship with you and your crew out there at the Capital Humane Society. So happy Thanksgiving indeed. And we are grateful for all that you do to support us. So happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Okay, Charlene, thanks, and we'll talk to you next week. We'll all be full of turkey and ham and prime rib and everything else. And something else. Sounds great. (laughs) Okay. You know, I've been told I'm full of it, but I don't think that's really what they meant. Down boy, down boy. Okay, thanks, Charlene. (laughs) Thank you. Charlene and friends at the Capital Humane Society make them the first place you go when you want to adopt a dog or a cat. Yep. We have... um, a gentleman coming on today that will be talking about how to uh, end and cease tobacco dependence based upon native principles. Hmm. His name is Jeff Smith. He's our main guest coming up today. Uh, next week's main guest is a Lincolnite, uh, Tayden Bundy, who's written a book called Beyond Lincoln, A History of Nebraska Hauntings. And our, our normal guest that's on the uh, fourth Saturday, uh, he can't be here today. Uh, Brent Rains does the segment called What is Reality? Mm-hmm. And he is on the road as we speak. Um, so if he, uh, if he has us on the, uh, the car radio, we're going to wave at you, Bruce, or uh, Brent, rather, and uh, hope you have a safe trip. And we're going to talk to him next week. So what I've got here is a little bit of a fun thing is um, my copies of the Bigfoot Times. And Daniel Perez is the editor and publisher. And I've been a subscriber now for a couple of years. And these are, uh, are very interesting. So if you're interested in Bigfoot and that sort of thing, uh, you can find... Bigfoot News, and I think it's .com. It should, uh, here knows, it's BigfootTimes.net. Once again, BigfootTimes.net. And you can subscribe to the, uh, the newsletter. And I've got um, a bunch of the uh, issues here. I met uh, Russell Accord with Bob Gimlin at the Nebraska Hastings Conference. And uh, apparently he's going to be in a Expedition Bigfoot, which is going to air in just a few days here, November 30th, on the Travel Channel. A bunch of people. And uh, Daniel Perez gives also uh, interesting stuff like uh, Bigfoot book reviews, so if you want to expand your library, you can do that. He's also really interested personally in the Patterson-Gimlin film, so there's always something in there about that. Um, Peter Byrne, who is a longtime Bigfoot researcher, still active at age 94, he is offering a $1,000 reward 
for the return of his slide collection. Uh, he had them in his car and had his car worked on, and apparently some people that were living out of their car uh, are suspected of taking the uh, slides. They apparently entered the garage and took some tools and some other stuff, ransacked his, uh, his vehicle and took his slides. So uh, there is a bunch of them. He's offering $1,000, no questions asked, for the return of his slides. Peter Byrne, a last name is spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Um, let's see, what else can I tell you here? That was from November... The current issue, I'd never heard of the Hawking Hills Bigfoot Conference, and I did when I read the October um, newsletter. Daniel Perez, the editor and publisher, also announced that uh, he'd had surgery on a what may be a long-time uh, injury from running. Uh, he had one of his tendons operated on, so he's recovering from that, hobbling around. We wish him well with his uh, recovery. And there is a, a huge book that just got uh, released that weighs in at 3.2 pounds. It has 1,100 pages, um, and um, it's called The Historical Bigfoot, second edition. And it's by Chad Arment, A-R-M-E-N-T. So if you wanted to have um, a book that would... Uh, cover a lot of ground. That might be a good one there also to take a look at. And uh, a lot of activity. I should try to get one of these folks on the show here. We've got uh, B. Mills, who's been doing research on an Ohio case, which is ongoing. The uh, local population of Bigfoot apparently took a fancy to some of the uh, chickens that a family owned and began to basically stop by using the chicken coop as a as a shopping market and uh, eventually the family just had to get rid of all the chickens because the Bigfoot were going after them some of the chicken were killed on site some were taken off site and some of the chickens were squished to the ground so apparently those were deemed not to not uh, to the big Bigfoot's liking. It reminds me of the story that, you know, we, uh, this is uh, deer season for a lot of people, and deer hunters are out there. Uh, so if you're out walking, be sure and wear bright colored clothing and, and uh, don't wander off in the, in the brush and trees too far. Well, and, and also be aware of what's behind where you're shooting. We had a uh, news report here a couple of days ago of a rural Nebraska home that a bullet hole turned up in, mm -hmm. apparently from a deer hunter. We had a gal who was severely injured on a farm outside of Guide Rock when a mule deer came up and attacked her. Mm -hmm. And uh, the conservation officer that stopped out later said this, uh, this mule deer showed no fear at all. And uh, he shot the deer and put it down. And she, uh, we, we hope she recovers fully uh, in the hospital and later at home. So uh, keep your wits about you. So, uh, And, of course, watch out when you're driving. 
speaking of which, February of 2018, in, in my story that I tell, there was a man that's driving north on North 84th Street. He's approaching the uh, Waverly Road. This is clear out there uh, northeast of Lincoln. Uh, it's uh, February of 2018. It's snowing. The road is slick. And there's a herd of deer that runs from his left to right, right across the uh, road. So he slams on his brake to avoid hitting one or more of the deer, partially slides off into the shoulder, and he watches these deer as a, as a herd run down towards a grove of trees, and suddenly they chrome off like they are on a bumper and a pool table, and they all start running hard south away from the trees. Then he sees this two-legged, shaggy creature run out from the trees running after the deer. Interesting. Bigfoot likes deer also. I guess so. So we've, we've had lots of reports in and around Lincoln. And uh, the Bigfoot Times, if you're interested in that subject, it's bigfoottimes.net to subscribe. Daniel Perez is the editor and publisher. And there is an ongoing debate right now in Bigfoot circles where most of the... Um, Long-time Bigfooters are firmly convinced, and they're in the camp of uh, accepting this creature as being a fully physical primate of some sort, yet to be truly recognized and discovered that, that lives in the wilds, can occasionally venture into uh, populated areas. And they point out the, the vast parts of our country in which a creature like this can easily hide, including Nebraska folks. Uh, we think about the creature needing forests, and it doesn't really need that. It needs water and habitat and, and food around. There are other folks that associate the Bigfoot with a psychical aspect, and they point to many cases where there are tracks that go into a meadow and then simply stop and they can't see where the creature went from there. The creature hasn't backtracked in its own footprints, um, hasn't jumped onto a couple of rocks to make a getaway. The tracks basically stop, and they point to that as being evidence of this creature being psychical, being able to uh, perhaps go from this dimension, this time-space place, to another place, going through a portal, a doorway, a window. And there are those that associate uh, Bigfoot sightings with bright lights in the sky with the UFO mystery. So most of the people that I've talked to in the Bigfoot community um, are firmly wedded to the idea of proving the physical nature of Bigfoot. And they, um, the old-timers are less interested in the quasi-physical, quasi-psychical aspects. And most of them... Um, are not interested or claim they don't have enough information for the UFO angle. And then one of the other uh, great big arguments that goes on within this community, Jim, is whether or not we need to shoot one or kill one to prove the existence. I think not. Okay, and tell me why. Well, because, well, first of all, it's a living creature. And uh, second of all, it may be very well be, by all indications, a sentient, thinking, feeling, living creature. 
and to shoot one to me is just murder. Well, that's a that's a really good point. That's a good illustration of that argument. Those that are pro shooting ones say that we really need to have a carcass, and by doing that, we're going to further protect uh, whoever they are, and uh, we can do more study, more forensics, etc. A curious aspect about Bigfoot too is that if they are indeed roaming out there, where are where are the bodies of those Bigfoot that pass? And perhaps I'll, I'll get one of the Bigfoot experts on to ask them these questions, because I sure, uh, sure can't, uh, can't answer that. I don't know that they have a, a Bigfoot uh, cemetery anyplace, and whether they take care of their own, bury their own, um, hide their own, you know, I simply don't know. I've interviewed personally a, a number of people that have had Bigfoot sightings. Uh, there's a gentleman from Colorado that uh, I met in 2018 that was, he told incredible tales of his personal experiences with Bigfoot. So um, there is a phenomenon taking place and uh, science says that we should be curious and we should say yes or maybe as opposed to a firm no and not showing any interest at all in, in phenomena. Jim, I think we'll take our bottom of the hour break here. Sounds good. And uh, how did I do for filling up that time space? You did great. It just flew like the wind. And we'll come back with our special guest today, Jeffrey Smith. Sounds great. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to uh, belabor my good luck here. We'll get out when we when we can do that. So Okay, real quick, we, we just had a caller comment, and I think we've covered this ground with Colleen in the past, that uh, I'm going to sum it up in a 10-second nutshell. Bigfoot in Native American traditions is like a big brother. And to me, that suggests, why would you shoot your big brother? And I'll leave it up to you from there. Okay, well, we'll do, we'll do more on this. We'll get somebody scheduled here coming sure. up. Sure, that'll be fun. great. I'm Scott Colborn with Jim Shorney, and we're doing the Exploring Unexplained Phenomena show. This is the Saturday before Thanksgiving, so again, we wish all you folks a happy Thanksgiving. Please stay tuned. We will be right back with our special guest, Jeffrey Smith. And we're going to be talking about ending tobacco dependence based upon Native principles. Scott Colborn with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. Sure glad to, to have you here the Saturday before Thanksgiving. We give thanks for uh, many of you out there. Uh, Jim, I'd like to also share with you that we've had a receipt of uh, two more prepaid phone cards. This comes from our friend Sarah, who lives in Charlottesville, and she joins Frank from Omaha, Shelly from Canada, in giving the show prepaid phone cards. Great. Thank you very much. We give thanks to Sarah and Frank and Shelly. Our main guest is uh, Jeff Smith. Dr. Smith is a scientist, musician, and folk healer. He's recognized as a world-leading authority on the subject of tobacco. He's a 35-year veteran scientist, entrepreneur with over 100 publications and patents to his name. And he started five companies. One went public in 2002. <clears throat> He's practiced and taught Chinese martial arts for most of his life. He's a dedicated practitioner and student of the folk healing traditions of Peru and North America. 
Jeff uh, is also a teacher of the healing arts and cosmologies of South America and the Andes. And uh, I'll give you a number of websites here at the end, uh, or actually during the program at the end of our talk today. Uh, he's given nearly 200 presentations, including a TEDx talk and the keynote address at the Global Philosophy Forum. As a university professor, he taught advanced undergraduate and graduate level and interdisciplinary courses. He's enjoyed a decades-long relationship with the sacred healing plant tobacco. He studied the neuroprotective properties of compounds found in tobacco and helped start a company to fight diseases like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's based upon this research. Over the years, his relationship with tobacco has shifted from uh, some research to working with tobacco as a teacher and catalyst for sacred healing. And uh, <clears throat> he's been given an honorary title Tobacco, or one who heals with tobacco. Uh, he has a website that is all of my relations. And uh, let's see, that is a dot com on the end of that. And uh, I've been to the website and enjoyed reading through a lot of the things there. So I think you'll find this program interesting. Uh, please welcome Dr. Jeffrey Smith. And uh, Dr. Smith, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Scott. It's really great to be with you and your listeners this morning, and I'm looking forward to a lively conversation. Can I call you by your, your first name, Jeff? Of course. People uh, call me by far worse. <laughs> well, I, you're a musician, as am I. I play rock and blues guitar, and I saw you banging away on a set of drums. It looked like you were hey, having fun. We'll have to get together in that context, too. <clears throat> yeah, and, and that goes back a, a few years for you? Yes, indeed, it does. My my whole life, uh, I've spent playing various types of drums and percussion, and I'm certainly a rock and roll anorak. It's uh, something that's really, really nourished my soul, and I've been able to bring the, the <clears throat> my musical acumen uh, to the forefront in, in this new um, uh, tobacco dependence program I've developed. We wanted to create something that was really beautiful and uh, really rhythmic and, and uh, really soul-touching for people, so... This is uh, not only an offering to help people awaken their consciousness into a new state of relationship, but also to uh, enjoy some really beautiful music. So my relationship with tobacco goes back to, um, as many of us that are baby boomers my age, uh, I grew up in a culture where uh, almost everyone smoked. Mm -hmm. And there were people on TV that came out in white lab coats and said, you know, as a doctor, I recommend this brand of cigarettes to my patients. They're uh, less harsh on the lungs. And, and uh, then you had the commercial where the football player scores a touchdown and then runs to the sideline and then lights up on, on the camera. Some of those are almost comical now. But So I grew up in that environment, uh, Jeff, and began smoking when I was 12. And uh, smoked off and on. Uh, when we had football practice at Southeast High School, I would give it up for that fall and then take it back up. And as a musician, as I got older, I was around that uh, literally all the time. Most of the musician friends that I knew smoked, and so I did. I quit from 83 to 2000 and went through a protracted uh, divorce and picked music back up, began playing live again, and started smoking off and on, 
and I kept it down. So I thought to, you know, about six cigarettes a day. I thought, you know, I'm exercising willpower and doing a good job. And in 2015, I was diagnosed with bladder cancer. And I said, geez, I take vitamins. I have a pretty healthy diet. What's going on? And my doctor said the number one cause of bladder cancer is smoking. And uh, I said, are you telling me that I should probably quit? He said, no, probably you should. So (laughs) that day forward, I quit. And I still, Jeff, uh, because of all those years of enculturation, the environmental stimulus, um, the kick of the nicotine, I still, sometimes that comes up and says, hey, maybe just just smoke one. <laughs> so there, there, I've set the stage for you. And the, the uh, personal history that I've given you is now being echoed by many, many people that are listening right now. Jeff, what, do, what can you tell us about tobacco? Well, thanks for that that perfect um, perfect setup for uh, for uh, I think what might be received by your viewers as a somewhat disruptive viewpoint. Um, there is no doubt um, that that there are millions of stories worldwide about the misuse of tobacco precipitating health crises. It is a powerfully addictive. Uh, a substance, especially when it's smoked. Um, but what most people don't understand about this plant is that in the context of native uh, culture and practice, where that plant grows naturally, it is considered the most powerful of all healing plants, uh, a master plant, as, as many cultures refer to it. And the lesson is is pretty interesting. I mean, the the lesson that that underlies that knowing is that you misuse a powerful tool, and you end up with, you know, very significant negative consequences. And, you know, let's let's face it, mass marketing in the industrialized world um, has has uh, caused a lot of a lot of damage and a lot of uh, uh, a lot of. Um, misunderstanding of a very, very uh, complex plant. One of the most interesting pieces of, of history is that uh, is the story around tobacco in World War II, and that's part of how the, the, the scope of addiction in the, in the United States got so very, very potentized. So Hitler was vehemently anti-smoking. And as a consequence, <clears throat> as often happens in uh, wartime social engineering and structuring, we tend to, you know, our leaders tend to propagate and promote the opposite behavior that we see in, in, our, in our enemies and the people that we're fighting. So as a consequence, around World War II, what you saw was a romanticization um, of smoking, uh, smoking couldn't find a movie from that time where, you know, two-thirds of the adults in the movies weren't, weren't actually lighting up cigarettes on regular bases. Um, so there was a really significant social engineering uh, component that actually propelled what was one of the most deeply tobacco-addicted um, periods of, of time in all, all of history. Didn't a lot so, of the tobacco uh, companies also... Uh actually volunteer to to help put cigarettes into the meal packs 
And so when guys and gals were in the combat theater, they would receive a, a, a meal pack, and inside would be four to six cigarettes as well. Absolutely, and the rations. And, you know, let, you know one of the things that I try to um, impress upon uh, people, Scott, is that uh, is that we have to be really gentle with ourselves because, you know, if we're in, a, in any cycle of addiction, the worst thing we can do is, is beat up on ourselves and shame ourselves. Tobacco has a very unique place in the world of things that we consume. No one has ever discovered a plant like tobacco or, or a substance like nicotine that goes so deeply into our brain's circuitry. And the remarkable thing <clears throat> about this this plant is it's it's very much like a Swiss army knife for your mental states. And this is the great mystery that was hanging hanging and looming when I started doing research on this plant. Basically, you as the smoker can determine consciously or unconsciously what the outcome of that smoking event is. You can you can say, I want to be stimulated. I want to be relaxed. I want to have my memory and focus enhanced. I want to, you know, have a euphoria feeling. There are like a whole slew of different mental state outcomes, different pharmacologies, or as they, as the nerds say, psychopharmacologies that are associated with this plant. And there, there's never been any other other plant or substance that humans interact with that do the same thing. So. It's powerful. It helps us achieve different states of, of mental awareness and focus and emotional uh, being. You know, it's in, in a sense, one might say, how could it not be powerfully addictive when you have something mm. that can do so many things? Mm. This is Dr. Jeffrey Smith, and we're talking about uh, ending tobacco dependence based upon native principles of healing, self-awareness, and accountability. Um, as we talk here, if you'd like, uh, on your computer or a smartphone, the website to look at first is going to be allofmyrelations.com. And uh, the heading on that page, Jeff, as you know, it reads, Put an end to tobacco dependence. You deserve to live a healthy and happy life, and you have the wisdom inside to make this so. And I, I spent a lot of time on your website last night. It's really well done, by the way, Jeff, whether you did Thank that you. or a webmaster. But uh, there's a curious thing here, too. It says, you know, uh, you don't have to be really at a point where you're going to quit smoking cigarettes to benefit from this website. Well, that's, that's yeah, that's, that is a, a very key point. You know, the, the uh, matter of whether one has a relationship with, um, tobacco or not is not really the, the point of what I'm doing. The point of what I'm trying to achieve with this tool, this um, this um, hopefully gift to people, is about an assessment of our relationships with the rest of the world, with the rest of life, starting with ourselves. And when we apply very simple ancient wisdom principles to the matter of self-awareness and connection, what happens is that 
patterns of addiction, another way to say it is patterns of, of doing things that aren't good for us on some level, on sometimes many levels, <clears throat> naturally shift and fall away. You know, what, what I think has been the, the challenge with the pathologizing of addiction, of our unhealthy relationships, is that it's focused us all the time on, on the addiction itself and not the underlying cause. And what I do in this program is, is guide a person through a journey of self-discovery, a journey where we learn that we really actually have inside us the capacity to change, the capacity to heal, the capacity to live a healthy and happy life. So the big surprise for a lot of people is the first third of this program, I never mention the word addiction. I don't even mention the word tobacco because it's, it's really, Scott, it's really not the point. The point is reconnecting to yourself and finding ways to be compassionate to yourself and to reestablish and reassess your connection with the rest of life. And when you do that, like I said, unhealthy, destructive habits tend to be a lot easier to change. I can speak from personal experience, having had a good friend uh, who went through a 30-day treatment program to end his uh, alcohol uh, abuse. And uh, he never really got to the underlying root causes of why he was abusing alcohol. And so um, there have been many, many relapses. And uh, he can get over the physical dependency or at least lessen that's hold on him. Uh, But I surmise, as you just said very eloquently, that until he can find out the reasons why he's chosen to abuse that, um, that relationship that's unhealthy is probably going to continue. That's exactly right, Scott. I think that's a very important and typical story of, of what people encounter when they work with conventional um, addiction treatment, dependence treatment. Um, one, of the, one of the great wisdom teachings that you find throughout the world that I apply in this program is that whenever we encounter a dis-ease, a, a being out of whack, out of balance, uh, and, uh, uh, sickness and illness, those events are actually our greatest opportunities for growth. And what we've been taught to do in, in the industrialized world, and especially in, in Western culture, is to push away the discomfort, to push away the darkness, to push away um, anything that, that is, is uncomfortable. And, and the wisdom teaching is actually you flip it. You actually learn how to be present with the discomfort. And when you do that, your body's capacity to heal and make changes actually awakens. As long as you've got boxing gloves on and you're pushing away that which makes you uncomfortable, it remains a fight because all of your energy is going to the fight. So this is a really important principle that goes way beyond my, um, my program, is that one of the, I think, the most important things for our culture right now as a whole is to is to redefine our relationship with the darkness, with the challenge, with 
the illness with the conflict and to invite curiosity, to invite centeredness and stillness. This is, this is um, woven throughout spiritual traditions, ancient traditions throughout the world. It's, it's, that's why meditation is so important. That's why mindfulness is so important. As long as we're pushing away the darkness, we're not going to be able to get to root cause. Does that, does that sort of make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, I think that was a, uh, uh, one of the definitions that Carl Jung had for enlightenment uh, was uh, facing and making the darkness conscious. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How has your own journey been, Jeff? Uh, did you, uh, before you found all this out, were you a tobacco user? Uh, no, actually, I have always, <clears throat> despite the fact that I ran with a rock and roll crowd and lots of smokers like you when I was, when I was young and um, going back to, you know, 11, 12, 13 mm -hmm. years old, I never, I never smoked. But I did have, um, you know, I had a really rough and stroppy upbringing and had a lot of unresolved pain and, and, uh, and angst from a difficult childhood. And, and so I numbed that and, and escaped that with lots of, lots of drug abuse. So I, I um, <clears throat> actually had my journey of, of healing, uh, not from tobacco, but from, from many, many other, other uh, shenanigans that I got myself into. So. I graduated from that school, too. <laughs> I think many of us probably around our age group did. <laughs> and it's so good to, uh, to be here now, Jeff. Uh, the All My Relations program uh, has, as I understand it, three parts. Uh, before we go to the top of the hour break, let's spend a little bit of time talking about uh, the first part, building a foundation. Yeah, absolutely. So remember a few minutes ago, I mentioned that, that many people are surprised when they enter the program and, and don't encounter uh, the term addiction or dependence or even the, the word tobacco. Um, we're, we're building a foundation in the first phase of our work together by finding that still place in our inner strength and our stillness allowing us then to start to look in a different way at our relationships, whether it be with tobacco, ourself, or the rest of the world. So that first whole first period is about helping us achieve state uh, emotional states of, of stillness, of self-acceptance, of curiosity and inquisitiveness. Each of the exercises that we give you, the recorded exercises, um, have very simple breathing techniques because we know that breath is one of the main tools that we can use. Um, it's, it's one of the only autonomic things, you know, automatic things that happen in our bodies that we can control so easily. So that's a very, very important piece of, 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 of the work, building the foundation, always, always coming back to the power of the breath and how it can tune and settle consciousness. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is Dr. Jeffrey Smith, and he's a, did I say that correctly, uh, tobacco? Tobacco, yes. Tabacero. Yes, indeed. One who heals with tobacco. Uh, the website is allofmyrelations.com. 
And this first part of the program, building the foundation, is part of a uh, total program to uh, have people look inward and assess, uh, redefine, and embrace the real me, the real you inside each one of us, and to go forward then. I take it that the program is, is multiple months? Yes, sir. It's a six-month program. And we uh, understand that, that lasting change doesn't happen overnight <laughs> without any effort. We'll, we'll be uh, talking about uh, aspects of that program on, the, pro, on, on the, the show today with our guest, Dr. Jeffrey Smith. I had uh, another uh, uh, reminder from spirit or intuition that has caused a, a change in my life. I gave a talk Thursday to a group, and uh, at the end of the talk, the hostess came up and said, would you reach into the box and pull out a name? We're going to give a door prize away. And I said, okay room with about 300 people and suddenly in the middle of the uh, conference organizer Lou Farish giving away these door prizes I was uh, infilled with pure joy and bliss I would sign up at that window immediately I would drive a thousand miles to experience that again it was incredible and in that moment of pure joy and bliss I turned to my friend Julie and said he's going to pull your name out of the box next. And she gave me that friendly elbow in the ribs and said, uh-huh, yeah. And I, I would have, if I was at a poker table, Jeff, I would have gone all in. I knew with absolute certainty. So I watched in slow motion as Lou Farish reached in the box and pulled out a piece of paper, and he said my friend's name and her hometown, and she looked at me and said, how did you do that? So Thursday, I've set this up by telling that story, and a woman right up front who was, was asking during my talk some really interesting questions, she joked and she said, yeah, I suppose you're going to pull my name out now, huh? And I looked at her and grinned, and I reached in the wicker basket, and I pulled her name out. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's awesome. So um, I... Uh, because of that gift from my intuition, that, that gentle but firm nudge, I began journaling my dreams again. That's something that I did many, many years ago. And I figured that this is probably a, a good time to start again because I've had uh, some doozies the last two or three weeks. And so I regard that as being a, a gift. And, you know, Jeff, in my own way, when I, when I feel one of my old addictions sort of gently tugging at me, if I can refocus on something like this, um, it shifts my awareness, and suddenly there is less of a, less of a pull. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll talk more with Jeff Smith here after the break, uh, and for those of you out there that still smoke, this will be a very interesting program. Uh, as an ex-smoker, um, I'm applauding Dr. Smith here for what he's doing. And let's find out more after the top of the hour break. I'm Scott Colborn. You're listening to Exploring Unexplained Phenomena and brought to you in part by the kind folks of Sarah, Frank, and Shelley who have given the program prepaid phone cards. 
Stay tuned for more conversation. We'll be right back. Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln, and KZUM HD. Support for KZUM comes from family-owned and operated Butheris Mason and Love Funeral Home at 40th and A Streets in Lincoln, offering services that allow families to plan ahead according to personal wishes, chapel facilities to accommodate all faiths, and grief support materials for the family following a service. More information is available at 402-488-0934 and online at bmlfh.com. It really just feels like a movie where every part of its craft is just done to the best that it could be executed. Mm-hmm. Like with every, care. With oh, care. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. everybody who had a job to make this movie, it feels like they really invested themselves I into, agree. into doing it. And um, it's just felt through every aspect. You can listen to the full episode of this edition of Cinema Roundtable, as well as listen to our other KZUM podcasts under Original KZUM Podcasts at kzum.org. This program is made possible in part by a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. My name is Manny Morales. I'm 45 and I coach youth football. It's still hard to believe because the high school me was a work in progress. But big brothers, big sisters give me a real role model. And the young me... Neither a role model bad. My bigger brother's name is Ray. And Ray is the reason that this seven-year-old grows up to be a role model himself. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Vic Valverde, and I'd like to invite you on a musical journey of both sound and rhythm to a place I call Mesoterra. We'll travel far from commercial culture and just a step or two away from the abstract. So join me on Saturday afternoons, 3 to 5 p.m. for Mesoterra, right here on KZUM. Colborn with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. My co-host is Jim Shorty, and we're grateful to be here. Our special guest is Dr. Jeffrey Smith, and his website is allofmyrelations.com. He's a tobacco, one who heals with tobacco, a scientist, a professor, and he's a practitioner of a Chinese martial art. I studied... Uh, with uh, Sensei David Nelson, who is now up in Wisconsin or Florida. I can't remember where David's gone now, but uh, um, he was uh, 
uh, an old style karate guy. So I did about two years with, with Dr. or with David here. And uh, I imagine you probably experience some of what you're talking about also in martial arts, don't you? There's a, there's a field and energy that, that I can sense in your discourse, Jeff, that I've also seen from martial artists. Yeah, well, thank you. That's a really, really good point. And in, in, in so many ways, I think the martial arts are one of the best um, whole person trainings that you can you can receive. You know, it it's, uh, brings the body, mind, and emotions together and in alignment, and teaches discipline. And also, kind of going back to your uh, your uh, door prize story before the break, it's also you know, can be a demonstration of what we are capable of as as human beings. You know, so many great martial artists, you know, on a regular basis show us superhuman feats that go, you know, against the grain of, of what science tells us is physically possible. Mm-hmm. Yep, my, All my, about consciousness. My teacher, Sensei David Nelson, we were sparring one day. I'm a much bigger guy. And he's shorter, but a heck of a lot quicker. And so I thought, because I had a better reach and my physical size, that I would take the fight to him. And uh, so we're sparring, and he's staying just outside of my my reach. And he would dart in and and move back out. Very quick man. Um, Jeff, suddenly, it's as if I had been switched off and gone to sleep. He had his chin resting on my left shoulder, his face inches away from my face, and he said, hello, Scott. And I dropped my arms and stood back, and I said, how did you do that? You went from being out there in the blink of an eye, and I used to, in bars, I used to win uh, uh, pots for being having quick reflexes, even under the influence. I mean, I've always had, Jeff, quick reflexes. To this day, I can't tell you how he went from being three and a half to four feet out in front of me to his chin resting on my left shoulder. It was, uh, it was phenomenal. That's a great story. It's a great story. And, it, and it's a, you know, a demonstration that, that we are really capable of of tremendous things the mind is is so much more powerful than uh than we're i think taught and enculturated to believe and and so you know kind of circling back to mm-hmm. what the you know the things i'm trying to do in my program is that we are we are trying to help remind people of of that we're not helpless that we are actually very powerful provided that we come into alignment with with certain aspects of ourselves and, and take off the boxing gloves and, and use, uh, use wisdom teachings and, and relaxation and, and breathing. And, and, uh, we are capable of tremendous things. That's, that is why I, I tell people that, um, you know, for all the good that, that has been done by, um, by organizations that help with alcohol addiction and narcotics addiction, the one thing that I that I truly believe they don't get right is the statement that you are helpless. Um, 
it's very, very important, I've come to learn, to never tell yourself that. Because as soon as you say, I'm helpless, your whole physiology changes. And there have been, you know, in the last two decades, so many experiments done in really rigorous um, laboratory settings where the effects of saying that you're helpless um, are proven. Mm -hmm. Everything shifts. When you say I'm powerful and I can, I can do this, I can make a change. I can pull your name out of the, uh, the, the door prize drum. Things change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a Zen saying that is, uh, at the heart of this, if you think so, so. If you think not so, not so. <clears throat> That's absolutely right. <clears throat> There's a brilliant experiment that was done by this fellow by the name of Daniel Kahneman, who's a Nobel Prize winning economist, but he's <clears throat> actually more as known for that work as he's uh, is known for his work in, in behavior and decision making. And um, he took two groups of college students, put them in different rooms, and gave them a bunch of words. Uh, one group had words that were very commonplace, very innocuous, house, tree, road, car, words like that. The other group, he gave words like elderly, geriatric, infirm, gray, words that connected with being old, right? Mm -hmm. And um, he said... I, in, one minute, I want you to just make as many sentences you can, sentences as you can from these words, and then you're done, and then walk down the hall to the break room, and I'll give you your results. Well, what the participants didn't know was the actual experiment was in the hallway. He put in telemetry and observed the students who were, you know, on the average age of 19 or 20, walking down the hallway to the break room, and in the group that made sentences for just one minute based on that focused on descriptions of the elderly, that group walked slower with a with a posture that reflected people forty, fifty years senior from them. One minute of thinking about those words primed the this psychological term is, is now come to be known as primed. So our language informs and structures reality. So if you're saying to yourself, I'm helpless, I'm an addict, I am an embarrassment, I, I am just ashamed of, of who I am because I can't let this tobacco addiction go, your whole neurochemistry changes. Everything in your body changes to meet that, that state. It's like, in, in many ways, the deepest of self-fulfilling prophecies. So what we try to do is, is rewrite those stories, those narratives, to the positive. And, you know, in some ways, Scott, I think that's one of the most important things that we can do right now as, as a culture is, is let go of the narratives that, we are doomed for ecological destruction. We're doomed for, for government corruption. We are, we are stuck in this cycle of imbalance and consumption, et cetera, et cetera. We, most of us, I don't think, have an, 
idea of just how powerful those internal narratives are in, in structuring life and structuring the trajectory of how we move forward. This is Dr. Uh, Jeff Smith, and we're talking about ending tobacco dependence based upon native principles of healing, self-awareness, and accountability. Uh, from your website, a second part of the program is labeled Smoke and Mirrors. Tell me more about that. Absolutely. So in the first phase, you know, what we do is we we come back to a ground zero, a place of of acceptance and, and strength and, and start to re rewire some rewrite some of the, the narratives, the stories that we have told about ourselves that aren't necessarily helping us change. The second phase, smoke and mirrors, is meant to be kind of a tongue-in-cheek name, is that this is the period where we are supported in getting really curious, really curious about our relationships, our beliefs, our mental attitudes about ourselves and the world. So, for instance, the impact, taking your story as an example, you mentioned that sometimes you feel the the knock on the door from tobacco. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of feel that pull. Wouldn't it be great to light up again? What we do in this second phase is help you not push that emotion away. Say, oh, there's that thing again. Better push that into the closet. Better forget about that and distract myself. We support you in asking the question, why is that there? Why is why is that energy come knocking. There must be something that is being unfulfilled that maybe could be surrog- maybe you could find a surrogate that's really healthy for and in different ways. I'll give you a really great example. At least I think it's a great example. You know, a lot of little kids love to eat ice, right? And they kind of go through waves. I've had kids around me my whole life, children and stuff, and, and they seem to go through waves. Um, it turns out that it's been pretty well medically established that eating ice, craving ice, is actually a reflection of a mineral deficiency in the kids. And as soon as you give them a little bit of um, trace mineral supplements and up their calcium and magnesium, and so that craving for ice goes away. And I think this is a this is sort of emblematic of what I'm saying about getting curious. It's like instead of pushing that that knock on the door away and ignoring it is actually getting curious about what that message is saying about your body, your mind, your emotions, needs, and how you might actually fulfill those needs. The thing is, Scott, our bodies always tell the truth. That's the that's the miracle of of our physical existence in so many ways. And and when we listen to those knocks on the door and get curious and explore, then we actually, ha- that is gives us the greatest opportunity to live a healthy and joyful and balanced life because when you find the healthy sub- substitutions to fulfill those needs, then, then you don't go from craving to craving from need to need, you actually start to live a really joyous and healthy life. I went to a conference uh, over the first part of November 
uh, the Starworks USA UFO Symposium and got back to Lincoln, my hometown, and just began to dream up, down, and sideways. Um, dreams that were so vivid that I would look forward to going to bed at night wondering what kind of adventure was in store for me in the, in the dream theater. And so with this sudden resurgence of, of consciously recalling dreams and being aware of this every night, when I had that experience Thursday of drawing out the person's name in the wicker basket, that was a message to me, Jeff, from my unconscious, from my link with the divine to, uh, to pay attention. And so that was my decision then to start recording and listening to my dreams, writing them down, that, that great connection that I've, that I've had for a long time. So I agree with you. When we have a chance to be reflective and think about some of the reasons why we're having a, a stimulus, why something appears to be attractive, we can look beyond what might be termed or your, your term, smoke and mirrors, and see maybe a causative factor for why we're experiencing that. And uh, then decide if we uh, want to change that or not. I understand you've got recordings that are part of this. Um, tell me about the, the audio recordings. What are they like? Well, there's two, different, there's two different types of audio recordings. There are the audio recordings that actually lead you through specific exercises that address themes on the journey to uh, right relations, to letting go of, of unhealthy uh, uh, habitual um, dependence. And each of those themes can sometimes stir up certain emotions, certain, certain new awarenesses that, that may be uncomfortable, may be evocative, may be unsettling. And so the second type of recordings, the meditation recordings, actually have embedded in them bleeding edge sonic technology that helps your brain achieve certain states, certain brainwave states that support you in uh, integrating and resolving those, those things you encounter with the exercises. So they're working hand in hand to support your your brain to move to a, a place of of more balance, more harmony, and less less uh, unhealthy dependence, and that's really the case for the entire program. The entire program has really three components: the, those two different types of recordings, and then and then we ask you to get a notebook or a little journal, and we'll occasionally um, ask you to jot down some notes, some, some matters of, of self-reflection and awareness, and then oftentimes you go back and visit those as a, as a way to mark your progress. So the, the program itself is really, really simple, and it's, you will be spending the bulk of your time actually working with the recordings. Uh, does the program work for all ages? Is there a target group that you have in mind? Does it work better for younger, middle-aged, older people? It's not, you know, that's a great question. And, and the, the, the target is not so much related to age, 
but more so related to people who are actually willing to um, get curious, to put in a little bit of effort and to embark on a journey. Um, this program isn't for folks that are expecting overnight success without any any work. You know, I, I firmly believe that that in a sense, if if I were to be able to give you a um, a magic pill that would instantly end uh, your quote unquote addiction, in a sense, I would be robbing you of a learning opportunity. I mean, that's the that's the indigenous and native wisdom piece of this is that is that the journey from where you are now to a healthy, balanced life with great relations is the is the goal, is the gift. So, so the the demographic is really, really um, focused on people who are ready to get curious and learn and grow. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, what appears to be a a negative life experience can turn out to be one of our greatest teachers that is the the motor the instigator for of uh, future growth and future life absolutely <clears throat> absolutely i mean talk to any any cancer survivor and yeah. you will find a font of of wisdom and and depth of of self knowing that uh, often is is lost on people who have not suffered uh suffered so deeply. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have a friend, uh, and I'm just going to ask you to, to join me for a couple of minutes in a temporary aside here, Jeff. I have a friend who's a very, very smart guy. He's uh, one of the most wonderful people that you would have a chance or a good fortune to meet, and he's experiencing cancer and problems with his leg. Um, a femur that was broken in an accident hasn't quite ever set right, and now he's in constant pain again. Uh, if he were listening, what would you say to to my friend right now? I think the first thing I would say is is um, is certainly uh, seek seek expert medical help. Yep, you know, and he with, is. It, yeah, for sure. That's that is so absolutely. Absolutely important, and and I think the the key is that someone who you really trust, who you who you feel really cares about you as a person. The other piece is to um, is what I would recommend is for the person to actually spend a little bit of time each day being very quiet and meditating and focusing on on the discomfort on the place of injury and to ask, you know, what does this really mean? Why has this, why has this come up? And, and, you know, our bodies are archetypal maps. Um, different part of parts of our bodies, um, tend to be associated with specific emotions, specific themes about being a human being. And so what I will often recommend my clients and I work with clients who are in healing crises all the time is is if you say are having chronic issues with your lungs um, we know from many many different traditions and 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 much direct experience that you know chronic issues with the lungs that sometimes are confounding to uh, traditional 
medical intervention have to do with um, unresolved grief. Lungs hold grief. So with that in mind, uh, I would I would suggest that the person explore a little bit about what that part of their body is understood to represent or what it's understood to hold energetically that might you know that often can unlock um, unlock lots of keys I know people that have um, shoulder injuries or uh, 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 sensitivity to shoulder injuries oftentimes um, when they go in to this in, in the way I'm suggesting oftentimes we'll discover that actually they have some issues about giving and receiving the gesture of giving um, being the primary, you know, causer of, of pain. So there's so many examples of, of how the the place where discomfort shows up actually being a signpost to a deeper matter of, of learning opportunity, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much for those comments, and I will pass those along to my friend. Uh, we're going to take a, a bottom-of-the-hour break. We'll be back with more conversation. Uh, and I've got keyed up here the smoke and mirrors. Uh, and you ask the question, what is it that tobacco does for us? Which parts are healthy? Which parts are unhealthy? Which parts of the usage are conscious? And which are unconscious? Let's get curious. And we'll leave it right there for more conversation with our guest, Dr. Jeffrey Smith. His website is allofmyrelations.com. I sure hope you're enjoying the broadcast today. And we're going to have this archived. So if you have a friend, family member who's mentioned a relationship with tobacco, uh, we're going to have this posted usually by the following Friday. And that website is very easy. It's kzum.org slash EUP. I'm Scott Colborn. Stay tuned for more conversation with Dr. Jeffrey Smith right after this. And we've got at 12 o'clock noon coming up, Beta Radio with Tad and Deb. And they'll be mixing some great music for you here on Beta Radio. That's coming up here at 12 noon. Our special guest today is Dr. Jeffrey Smith, and he's a tobacco, which is a person who heals with tobacco. The program theme is Ending Tobacco Dependence Based Upon Native Principles of Healing, Self-Awareness, and Accountability. And Jeff, I noticed on a, uh, a Facebook page that there is a moniker that you've inserted between your first and last name of Firewalker. And where does that come from? Well, that name was given me um, by, my, uh, by my, one of my spiritual teachers, uh, one of my main spiritual teachers of the last decade. Her name was uh, uh, Jacqueline Redleaf. She was a Cherokee uh, Choctaw elder and beloved woman among many Native North American tribes. And she had adopted me as a spiritual grandson, and I sat at her feet for many, many years. And part of the tradition uh, in, in many North American uh, cultures is, is that of giving a person a so-called medicine name. So 
that that is my uh, name that was given given by her. Mm-hmm. Oh, how did you, as a scientist, uh, uh, discover the link with uh, Native people and their principles of healing? Was it through this work with your teacher? It actually came quite a bit before that. It was, you know, my my walk as a curandero and and as a, a, a folk healer was never something I had planned or even conceived. I was perfectly happy in the hallowed halls of research and academia and uh, you know, studying martial arts. I'd never, never for a minute, if you would have told me 30 years ago that I'd be doing what I'm doing now, I would have probably said you're completely crazy. It's just a <laughs> confluence of events and spirit leading leading uh, me to uh, a set of, of teachers that really really helped me achieve very quickly a, uh, a very different life, a much happier, healthier uh, life, and helped me resolve a lot of, you know, things from my shadows from my early childhood. And, and it was so powerful for me that, uh, that I made a commitment to pay it forward by devoting my, my life to uh, uh, ancient wisdom traditions and the teaching of them. Smoke and Mirrors is about living beyond illusion and judgment and learning to trust ourselves in healthy new ways. That's the uh, second uh, uh, plank, if you will, of this three-part program that Dr. Smith has. Uh, And then this third aspect is reinventing relationship. Now, help us move to that place that we've been a student, we've done some audio recordings, we've spent time reflecting, um, we've worked through some of the illusion, perhaps we're not all the way done, uh, and now reinventing relationships. That's right. You know, that's a, that's a uh, great encapsulation. You know, the first, in the first phase, we are... Um, we learn to um, learn to get grounded, to be safe, to feel like we can get curious. In that second phase, we we really start to um, get to the truth, a little bit more truth and insight about who we are and what makes us tick. And and then then the third phase, once we've accomplished the the first two things, we're ready to um, ask and then deliver on what do we really want out of life. You know, what is really feeding us? What is really nourishing us? And, you know, I kind of, in on the website, I kind of say in a comical way, this is a, a tobacco addiction program that could care less whether you stop um, using tobacco. And that's, it, it actually is the truth. And it, it does, you know, essentially require some unpacking. So for some people, Success in this program means that you put down cigarettes, put down tobacco, and never touch it again. That's great. For some people, a deeper understanding of the nature of the plant and its its usefulness, if worked with in a proper and prayerful manner, might lead to the person um, having a bit of tobacco in a sacred place, a quiet place in their home, and that they... Um, do as as many native tribes do on occasion is is use it for prayer. So I have no um, no fixed outcome other than to help people 
move into a place where not only their relationship with tobacco, but the rest of life is healthy and, and fulfilling. And so that last phase is really focused, really focused on on reassessing and and reassessing relationship and and making the choices that will lead to getting out of life exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. I was just saying to my friend Jim off here that as a uh, 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 music teacher, I will oftentimes show a student a chord, a riff, a, a pattern, and I'll hear them say, I can't do that. And so as a teacher, as you've just said very eloquently, Jeff, during our conversation today, I help them to understand that verbalization. And I take them through and say, maybe you're not ready for the uh, stage right now in front of all your high school classmates. Maybe you're not ready for the lead center stage in downtown Lincoln, Nebraska tonight. But we can start and we can get part of it and we'll take it real slow. We'll take it at your speed. And uh, before you know it, you'll be able to, to do it. Uh, and the, the wonderful thing about one of the teachings of Jesus is that he said, you know, all this I have done, so shall you and more. Mm. And that's been a guiding principle for me as a Christian that it says that we are the people that set up fences and bars around ourselves, but we actually have unlimited ability, opportunity. Jeff, on my Facebook page, I posted a, a video from a classic movie about uh, a football coach trying to get these guys to really um, jump into and believe that they can be football players. And he picks out the the biggest guy on the team who is very strong and powerful, but he's very mouthy. And he asks this guy in front of all his, his teammates to get down on his hands and knees. He has another guy get on his back. And now the goal is that he's going to carry this as he walks on his feet and his hands and knuckles um, all the way down the field as far as he can go. And the coach is encouraging him as he does this, and the guy thinks he's going 20 yards. He actually goes the full length of the football field. Wow. And uh, so it's, it's an example of that suddenly he can do a lot more than what he thought he could. Uh, and then at the very end of the video, the young guy who's being carried on his back said, uh, Coach, I'm not 140 pounds. I'm 160 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> so he was carrying even a heavier guy than he had imagined. So wow. the moral from that, um, and it's, it's a fictionalized piece of movie stuff, is that we, we can do a lot more. Um, and Jeff, I, that's what I sense from you and your mission here, is to help people understand that they can make choices on how they... Uh, use how they are relating to tobacco and it may be uh, again choices that start right now and they're baby steps that all lead up but it's being more conscious is, isn't it yeah that's absolutely right and, and kind of looping back to your um 
your quote from from Jesus is that is that when we when we embark on a journey like this, whether we know it or not, we are giving people that are in our immediate circle permission to do the same. Yep, I applaud you for saying what you just said. It is so true. So we can change the world, but it really starts with us making a commitment to embark on on a journey into the mystery. And sometimes that means feeling like you've just jumped off of a cliff into the abyss. We don't know, but, you know, um, usually the outcome is pretty good. Mm -hmm. For me, a lot of this uh, in my own personal path, Jeff, has been uh, definitely spiritual in nature. I've come to trust that there is a, a aspect of consciousness, a higher power, divinity, divine God creator that is aware of, of me and the fact that, that he, she is aware of me in the face of this incredible cosmos, this relationship is all the more uh, beautiful and that this, this intelligence wants the best for each one of us. I sense that's also a part of your message too, that, that uh, by reclaiming who we really are, we live a more joyful life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, the moniker of, of your show, Exploring Unexplained Phenomenon. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no difference between what you are promoting and what you, what you are giving people permission to do, to approach things that, are, that don't make sense, that are mysterious with an open mind and with inquisitiveness. Same, same. No difference. Uh, Jeff, where do you make your home? What part of the country? Uh, beautiful Asheville, North Carolina. Sure. And uh, I understand that you, when you aren't uh, helping people through the website and talks and things, that you uh, teach and practice Chinese martial arts. I don't do so much teaching anymore. My, my main uh, focus in, in terms of uh, teaching, how I spend the bulk of my time, is uh, through uh, an organization called the Eagle Condor Council. And we, uh, yeah, tell me about that. We, yeah, we, uh, we're a community-based organization that, that teaches the cosmology and, and ancient healing techniques of uh, the South American Andes and, and other, other South American cultures. And very importantly, we're focused on helping people redefine their relationship with the earth and to become stewards and protectors of the earth through their, through their uh, daily, daily lives and action. My good friend Paula Harris has established a relationship with a gentleman from Peru, uh, Ricardo Gonzalez, who is a contactee. And uh, this gentleman leads people out into remote areas to have authentic contact with the UFO mystery. And mm-hmm. some of the uh, experiences that they've had are, are legendary. Uh, and I think that we can look to other parts of the world and get a lot of good stuff back that helps us. We don't have to be a Peruvian to understand and benefit from a philosophy from um, some gems from their culture. And um, how can people find more out about the Eagle Condor culture, or the Council, rather? 
Yeah, that's uh, eaglecondorcouncil.org, and it the, the site describes um, many of our programs. We also are deeply engaged in social and environmental equity, and we do a lot to give back to the cultures that, uh, that we've befriended and whose uh, traditions we teach and transmit. So it's a, it's a wonderful community. We have hundreds of people that are in the, in, in the practices, and, and uh, it's, a, it's great fun. And, you know, from the perspective of, of your show's point of focus, it's one of the biggest surprises that I ever got when I started uh, embedding myself in ancient indigenous cultures, um, especially in really remote places, is that the first topic that would come up would be, oh, yeah, our ancestors in the Pleiades, you know, I was with the Sequoia people at one point who live in the northern Amazon, and one of the elders looked at, I was sitting in a hut with them, and one of the elders looked at the other and said, we haven't seen our friends in the third star system of the Pleiades in a while. Can we go there tomorrow night and pay them a visit? (laughs) (laughs) I've I've found from my talks with um, Native people um, much more limited in conversation than, than you've been, Dr. Smith, I found that, that they always have something to offer. And my, my native friends from tribes here in the Midwest, when we talk about the UFO mystery, um, they say that it's been part of their culture since um, they've been sharing stories, that um, there is an interest in them and in our planet by this other group of beings and that they don't divorce it from their their world view. My oh, absolutely. My absolutely. late a lot friend, of the origin stories, yeah, yes. come from Orion, the Pleiades. Absolutely. I had a a, a medicine man as a friend, uh, a Lakota medicine man. Three Eagles was his name, and uh, he said, "It's only you Western Europeans that take this stuff and put it in a little box up there on the shelf, and call it." UFOs, we call it unexplained phenomena. And he said, we native people, it's part of our life. It's just part of the fabric of what is, and we accept it. Yeah, there, there, Scott, there's such deep wisdom in that teaching. You know, in a sense, you know, we keep looping back to the sameness. We've done the same thing with in our culture with tobacco. We've done the mm-hmm. same thing in our culture with, um, you know, Islamophobia. We've done the same thing in our culture with so many things that are, you know, oftentimes difficult uh, or difficult to understand or that run counter to our belief. You know, in order to evolve, we have to take all this out of the box and get curious and get open and come to a place, you know, come from a place of unknowing. You know, my teacher, Redleaf, said that the ultimate measure of one's spiritual development is your response if some if you learned one day that everything that you knew about the universe was completely wrong <laughs> you know, if you're able to be in peace and and not have that rattle your chains to the core then you've probably been doing your work yeah. um jeff i've enjoyed our conversation today um what do you have planned for the rest of your weekend sir this weekend is a transition into a much-needed holiday break. I'm visiting friends and um, actually doing a very non-traditional uh, uh, 
Thanksgiving with with uh, three or four families. I'm looking forward to actually being lazy for a spell. Good, good. And um, you're still uh, playing drums and percussion. Indeed, more so than ever since we uh, put the All of My Relations website together. I'm working with a world-renowned percussionist and sound healer named River Gregarian and his recording studio and and, uh, these musical offerings we have to share with with everyone that we're very excited about. I hope, Jeff, that the muse can always be by your side. Thank you, my friend. Scott, it's been great spending the uh, this uh, peaceful Saturday morning with you. Our special guest has been Jeffrey Smith. Dr. Smith is uh, av- available and can be reached through allofmyrelations.com. And uh, another website that we've mentioned here is eaglecondorcouncil.org. Dr. Smith's last name is spelled S-C-H-M-I-T-T. Our program theme today, Ending Tobacco Dependence, Based Upon Native Principles of Healing, Self-Awareness, and Accountability. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the program today. And I want to say a special thanks again to Sarah in Charlottesville, Frank in Omaha, and Shelley in Canada for their donation, very generous donations of the uh, international phone cards that we use by the company called ZapTel. And it's because of their generosity that thousands of you people can hear the program today and can hear the, uh, the archive. If you have uh, friends and family members who've had a relationship with tobacco and you want to share the program with them, It'll be posted by next Friday, and it's an easy-to-find website. It's totally free of charge. It's kzum.org backslash EUP. That's kzum.org backslash EUP. And the program should be posted by next Friday. Uh, next week's guest is Taden Bundy, a Lincolnite who's written a book called Beyond Lincoln, A History of Nebraska Hauntings. Jim, we've talked about you and I getting together for uh, Thanksgiving. Yes, we have. We'll have a bunch of people joining us, and that should be a lot of fun. It will be. And I look forward to food and fellowship. And uh, mm-hmm. we've got Deb and, and Tad in the green room. They're getting ready to go on here. And they're welcome to come in any time that they want to. Yeah, um, come on in and say hi. Yeah. Do you want to grab that microphone right there, which is the blue one? And, okay. Deb, tell us what you've got in mind today for Beta Radio. Well, I, uh, I think I'm going to continue my uh, way that we've been going along with the beignet reboot. Oh, cool. So, you know, there's just not enough washboard on the radio these days, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting so, observation. So, uh, uh, Zydeco? Zydeco. Cajun and, music? Yes, yeah, some, something along those lines. And yeah. um, probably a lot more contemporary than um, than traditional, though. Very cool. Yeah. Hey, uh, no. thank you very much for the the uh, uh, fruit last week, too. That, oh, was, yes. that was very good. I enjoyed that. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm supposed to point out, too, that there was cake in the fridge. Yes, there is cake in the fridge. <laughs> so, yes, lots of cake in the fridge, so please help yourself to that. Great. <laughs> okay, stay tuned for Deb and Tad coming up with Beta Radio. And they'll be here in just a matter of minutes. Next week's guest on Exploring Unexplained Phenomena is Tate and Bundy. 
Beyond Lincoln, A History of Nebraska Hauntings. Special thanks today to our main guest, Dr. Jeffrey Smith. Our theme has been Ending Tobacco Dependence Based Upon Native Principles of Healing, Self-Awareness, and Accountability. The main website for Dr. Smith's work is allofmyrelations.com. I'm Scott Colborn. Happy Thanksgiving.